Hello everyone, welcome to Plotlines. I'm your host Connor and today we are continuing our series on the Chronicles of Narnia with my guest Jonathan. Hi guys. He is also the uh, the host of, of another podcast called... Oh, it's called Peace of Mind. It's pretty good. I, uh, I made an appearance on here before, so yes. if you're an avid Connor fan... Those don't exist. Then you probably have met me before (laughs) (laughs) that's that's probably true anyways so jonathan what what's your opinion of the chronicles of narnia the lion the witch and the wardrobe well connor it's great (laughs) no i like i liked it a lot i i i mean obviously that's like the first movie that's the one that everyone thinks of when they think of narnia because of the movie because well i don't maybe it's because of the movie but wasn't it also like the first one he wrote it was the first published yeah, okay, the first one he published. But it's like, it's the iconic Narnia story. You have like the big old, well, yeah. You have a lot of stuff that's like, it's just classic Narnia. You have like the four big characters, right? Peter, Susan, Lucy, and uh, and Edmund. Can't and forget Edmund. They're like, what? Can't forget Edmund. I, Edmund's like the coolest one. But I agree. Um, yeah, I like it. <laughs> okay. So, um... In the beginning of the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe, it's the beginning of World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot less that goes into the storytelling, you know, regarding the world around them than there is, say, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's very interesting because they're sent off to a quieter place in uh, England, I think it's northern England, to be safer mm-hmm. with a bunch, with an old dude. What do you think of the old professor? Oh, the old professor. He seems cool. He seems like the, the kind of person that dabbles with magical rings. Like someone we met in our last book, we discussed called Diggory. He's not what? the uncle, though. He's the crazy. Yeah, but like he plays around with rings. It's just crazy because book two, you see the char- the main character who was a kid, and he's now an old man, and he's like the cool professor guy that everyone loves. So that's an interesting little hot take on the issue. I read Narnia when I was a wee tyke, and I read it after watching Lion the Witch and the Wardrobe. And I was, like, befuddled when I saw that Diggory, like, actually had a story before Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I was like, what? how did he, like, what happened? So, plus at the end, you know, like, he tosses the cricket ball. At the end of the movie, he tosses the cricket ball at him, and he's like, try me. And he's, it's like, you know, because they're like, oh, you wouldn't believe us. We, we went to the magical land. And he's like, oh, <laughs> try me. Yeah, that doesn't really, it, it makes it kind of no sense when you read it so out of, when you re- it, when you oh, read yeah. it in publishing order, that makes no sense. But I don't even think that happens in the end of the book. Wait, what? That doesn't happen in the book. Hmm. I don't remember if it happens in the book. They or not. don't. Uh, Diggory doesn't show up to like give them back their their cricket ball. Um, he's. I don't think he shows up at all in that scene. But he does coax them into, uh, at least the older kids, to go into Narnia. 
after they don't believe Lucy, who experiences it for the first time. Uh, what do you think about Lucy's first experience in Narnia with Mr. Tumnus? Um, I don't know. It's, I, I don't have like an initial strong emotional reaction to it. It just seems like it's very innocent and it's kind of nice and like you can tell that there's some stuff that ain't quite right but you know Lucy has a good time Thomas is a cool little like fawn I think yeah he's a fawn yeah so um yeah it's interesting I, I think what's more interesting is like afterwards when like her siblings don't believe her but I mean yeah it's just interesting because they believe Edmund mm-hmm. over Lucy just because the the tale is so fantastic yeah. that uh it seems impossible that they would trust the person that is least trustful mm-hmm. in this in this situation yeah. because Edmund's the second person mm-hmm. to go to Narnia. What do you think about like the what is it the what does he eat? What's that? Uh, oh, Turkish delight. Yeah, Turkish delight. Mm, uh, tasty. I've never had one, but well, I don't think you'd want one. It would it would make you forever want more. And yeah. then it would bewitch you, basically. Well, like an actual Turkish delight. Like, oh. they, I think they look like kind of little donuts, you know, like powdered sugar, like some stuff on so the like inside. what the movie looked like? Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of powdered sugar donuts. I don't like anything, any donuts that have uh, stuff inside. Yeah, neither like do. Well, okay, I've had a donut that has, like, chocolate filling inside, and that's pretty good. But, like, the that's cream like or lard that they put in and, like, fruity ugh. stuff, like... Yeah, that's not good. So I would not be bewitched by Turkish delight if. Uh, well, actually, uh, no. Punchki are great. If a witch, if a witch gave me uh, Turkish delight, I would definitely not be bewitched. <laughs> but um, what? It's interesting that he's just uh, that she's just so good at uh, convincing him that mm-hmm. he, you know, he's he almost like deserves to be king. Yeah. Because that's really what she's trying to do is convince him mm-hmm. that. Uh, that he he deserves to be king uh, above anybody else, and that mm-hmm. he he it's like he's owed it. Yeah. Instead of uh, you know someone instead of actually having to prove himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, like kind of a hallmark of pride is, is feeling like you're entitled to something. Yeah. Which is the mother of all evil, according to C.S. Lewis in *Mere Christianity*. Fun fact. Fun fact. Um, and then, so the rest of the kids eventually come because they uh, are hiding from people that are looking at the house that they're staying at, and they run into the the wardrobe uh, and basically fall into Narnia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting uh because just like the way uh like i I think it's interesting because peter calls edmund a beast Mm -hmm. which is just uh it's a british insult basically or a british uh at least during that time it was a british way of saying that you're like the worst person to be like a beast it's a big insult so Mm -hmm. Uh, um, what do you think about them meeting the beavers? 
I mean, the beavers, they're just delightful. And you get to see how, you know, there's still good in this world that's all cold and bad and stuff. Oh, yeah, it's winter. Yeah. Eternal winter. It's fun. I think they spend a little more time in with the beavers in the book, right? Yeah, they yeah. do. They, uh, they have a more complete, like, dinner. Mm-hmm. It's more of a... It's more of a very relaxing time. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you're more, you know, put in this world. Yeah, yeah, it, it yeah really, that's a good way to put it. It really gets you involved mm-hmm. in this world. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to look at the big plot points. Like, oh, this person's exploring. Now this person's fighting. But, like, having, a, you know, a scene or, like, or having part of the story dedicated to them just, like, you know, like, having a meal, getting to know each other, like, having a conversation, like, it really... It, like, fleshes out the story a lot. Also, the prophecy they learn about with the beavers that that the four or the two sons of Adam and the two daughters of Eve will sit on the the thrones of Caerparavel and the winter will be Mm -hmm. over and the witch will be defeated. Um, It's interesting because in... It's played as kind of a joke in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, oh, this prophecy, it's uh, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but in the book, it's a lot more of a serious situation. And uh, also, the movie treats uh, the four children like they're the heroes of the story, mm-hmm. but they're not the heroes of the story. Wait, really? No. They're not the reason the winter's gonna ha- like end. I mean, they. It's a prophecy that says mm-hmm. that that's what's gonna happen. They'll be alive for that. Mm-hmm. But Aslan's the true hero of the right. story because he actually he delivers them from mm-hmm. the winter. And how does he deliver them from the winter? Sacrifice. Yeah. Also, by just like returning. So he came. He came back and he's like, hey guys. Well, as he well as he came back, the winter mm-hmm. started to end. So right. if you're talking about the winter, he just came back. Really, he was just in the eastern part of Narnia. Yeah. Uh, so then that kind of, you know, ended it. But if you want to talk about like delivering from the witch, sacrifice is the, uh, mm-hmm. the way. It's interesting that they don't set that up though in, the magician's nephew, because. Uh, in The Witch, this is a little bit of a fast forward, but The Witch talks about deep magic that was created at the beginning of the world, beginning of Narnia, mm-hmm. that are like the laws of, uh, is it uh, traitors and uh, and mm-hmm. basically sa- and uh, sacrifice and stuff like that, but that's not necessarily delved into. Because you don't see Aslan's father in um, in the magician's nephew, mm-hmm. because he's the one that creates the 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 deep magic yeah. that has these laws or whatever. Um, so and these laws uh, they must have been happening either at the same time or through Aslan creating the world to get like together with his father you know at the same time but it's interesting that it's not set up in the magician's nephew uh 
But back to uh, uh, the winter. Why do you think, or why, it's so interesting because it feels kind of out of place that there is no, like that. There's no Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like that Christmas is a thing. Yeah. And that there's no Christmas mm-hmm. in Narnia, and that's a big deal. Yeah. I I don't when. It does kind of seem out of place, but I. When along the way did C.S. Lewis write this compared with his other Narnia books? At uh, first. So, yeah, right, so it was the first, but like, did he plan on writing more after? Okay, yeah. so I, I feel like he just w- wanted to use Christmas kind of as like, okay, this is this fantastical land, and he's using Christmas as kind of like a, I don't want to call it convenient, but like, you know, just a symbol of ca- the joy that can go along with the season, and it's just like, that's gone too. Also, Santa Claus shows up. Yeah. And then Santa Claus there, and he's like, "Excuse me, what?" Excuse yeah, I mean, you have to take into consideration like this is a kids' book. So. Oh yeah, no, it's it, yeah. it's adorable, and you know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it, it. I just wanted to know your opinion. Yeah. Of I, I I don't know. There, it feeling somewhat out of place, or yeah. maybe it's maybe it's exactly in its place, and it's no. It, it for me, it definitely feels out of place. But if there's some kind of explanation for like a deeper meaning behind it, I you know, I wouldn't be that surprised. Also, Santa's kept away. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of it's just kind of interesting. It's <laughs> it, like Santa and Aslan are kept away at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of it's just kind of interesting. Santa Claus is a lion. Huh? Have you ever seen Santa and Aslan in the same room? No, I have not. Well, but I've never seen <laughs> them ever. Oh. They don't exist. Except for Santa Claus. Santa Claus does exist. (laughs) If you are 12 or under and listening to this podcast, Santa Claus exists. Actually, if you're anyone, Santa Claus exists. Yeah. He was a guy. San San Nicolas. Saint Nicholas. San Nicholas. Okay. Anyways, uh, (laughs) so when they're at the Beavers, uh, Edmund disappears. Edmund runs away mm-hmm. to meet with the White Witch. To get some of those Turkish delights. Even though he can't fulfill the his whole his whole duty to her. Exactly, he just wants the Turkish delights, and he's like, he feels so entitled. And that's where the witch, like her plan, is kind of like defeated because you can't have. It's you know like you have a lot of times like evil 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 organizations. They'll have people that are always backstabbing each other and they're not doing the stuff. And it's like her tactic of getting him to be like, yeah, I deserve this. I'm going to do this because I want this, you know, turned into like, yeah, I deserve it. I don't even need to do this thing that she wants me to do. Very, that's a very interesting point. I mean, it doesn't technically, it, it, it definitely hurts her plan overall, but it does not completely end it yeah. because yeah. all she has to do is keep, well, I mean, there, she has a couple options. She can, has she can kill the children. Mm-hmm. She can kill Aslan. And those are the those are basically the two options options she has to making the prophecy not come true. Mm-hmm. Which is why the witch, which the witch, uh, <laughs> eventually. Um, which is why she trades Edmund's life for Aslan's life, but she doesn't realize 
it's a trap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, prior to that, the it it that leads uh, on or the beavers from the beavers' house they leave and go towards the stone table to meet with Aslan. And what's interesting is they a lot of stuff from that they don't do in the movie. They the wolves don't chase them right away. Like the wolves don't confront them. They don't get there fast enough at all because uh, they were prepared. Also, it's a lot of funny moments. More more funny moments with the beavers trying to get ready to leave, uh, just with food and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, eventually, I don't think they even go over across. Like, get they don't get trapped on the ri- river mm-hmm. when it breaks. Yeah, I mean, they might have just added that to like add suspense to the movie. Sure, but they eventually do talk to Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Santa Claus gives them weapons. Nice. That part too. Santa Claus Nerf gives them nothing. weapons, and not like kid weapons. Weapons, weapons. Yeah. I mean, he gives Peter a sword and a shield. Um, he gives Susan uh, a bow and an arrow, but also says, "You really shouldn't use it ever." <laughs> or I hope you don't use it. Basically, uh-huh. I hope you don't have to use it. Um, and then Lucy at least gets something. The youngest gets the most dangerous weapon of all. A knife. A knife. I'm just kidding. It also gets gives a cordial, cord cordial. Yeah. Uh, of healing juice. Mm-hmm. Which is cool, uh, and the most handy thing ever, <laughs> right? I mean, basically, it's it. Wait, is it the same stuff that Diggory got? I don't remember how Diggory gets like. No, it's an apple. Oh. That's an apple. Maybe it's apple juice. That's what the secret healing stuff is. I don't think so, because it's Santa's gift, not Aslan's gift. But we confirmed in, like, chapter three of this podcast that Santa is Aslan. No, we we, we did not. We did not (laughs) confirm that at all. Santa is not Aslan. They are not the same. Same. I was about to say people, but they're not. Santa's a person, but Aslan is not a person. Aslan is not a person. Aslan's a lion. Lions are people too, Connor. That <laughs> this is not going to turn into an, a lion activist uh, discussion. Okay, sorry. What's the next question? Um, so we we move on. We uh oh the the witch basically tortures Edmund. Not like, nothing like directly, but like she makes him walk forever and whips him. Oh, yeah. As he as she takes him from, like, on their hunt because she can't use a sled anymore because it's mm-hmm. the winter's going away. Right. So, yep, so he's, I think he, actually, no, I think he, yeah, so he get, he's getting whipped, and it's like the worst time of his life. So mm-hmm. it's such an it's a very interesting way of turning the character around, just mm-hmm. because he's going through the worst. Yep. Because in the end, we are slaves to sin. Dope. 
despite the temptation. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and then uh, we move on to uh, Peter, Lucy, and Susan make it to Aslan at the stone table, and you get the meeting of Aslan, which is much more described in that book or in the Chronicles of Narnia than or Lying the Witch in the Wardrobe opposed to the magician's nephew because it's technically the first time he introduces mm-hmm. people to Aslan. What do you think about that? I agree. <laughs> I didn't there's nothing to agree with. I agree well I think that what you say is true. Yeah, that that happened. <laughs> what do you think about it? Uh, it's it's interesting. I I don't know. It's like as I don't know. Aslan does a whole thing. It, this entire book is very self-contained. Like mm-hmm. you have, you know, like obviously Aslan is like Jesus, and he dies for not yet. Well, <laughs> he's going to die. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah. I yeah. It's. I feel like some of the stuff in this book was made without considering more books would be written. So, like, I know you, like, we were talking before about how there's, like, there's, like, weird medieval accents that are, like, old English that people use. Yeah, we'll talk about that (laughs) at the end. There's a a weird time when when a few of the characters start talking like weird people Mm -hmm. from medieval times. Um, But... So then, uh, the witch, or then they, or then the wolves, the generals, or the captain of the secret police, secret police, I always thought that was a a funny way of, you know, Mm -hmm. describing them, the wolves, um, confront Peter, and Peter slays the leader of the wolves, Mm -hmm. and then they, then... Uh, they escape, and Aslan sends troops to follow them to save Edmund. I believe Edmund was almost going to die. They were getting ready yeah. to kill him. And the, they, for, the troops couldn't find uh, the centaurs, I'm pretty sure, couldn't find uh, the witch and her dwarf because they were pretending to be a tree. Hmm. They were magically a tree, like, looked like a tree. Nice. So she uses a little bit of, uh, uh, what is it, uh, camouflage mm-hmm. magic to appear not to be there. Otherwise, I think they would have killed her because they, like, destroyed the entire campment, and that would have been mm-hmm. the only two people remaining, which would have been pretty weak sauce. Um, but Edmund is finally free. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to confession, right, <laughs> on a hill. Mm-hmm. With Can Aslan. you explain that a little more for our listeners? Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> Aslan basically takes him away to uh, to talk, to discuss, and then comes back and says, "You don't don't ask Edmund about his past. It doesn't matter anymore. He is free, basically, of it." Mm-hmm. So confession that that's my interpretation mm-hmm. of it and 
you agree yeah i i'm i don't know i haven't thought about it. that sounds i believe that what about when peter kills the the wolf and like aslan gets angry with him for not cleaning his sword oh <laughs> i think that's just medieval i don't actually think that oh i don't necessarily think that's anything deeper and more like i feel like anything that aslan gets emotional over is has to have some significance in the story or like um, in c.s lewis's thing because like you know if it was just like a medieval thing like you know he might as well just have had like some you know like other character be like hey you're supposed to clean your sword you idiot yeah but, but he doesn't have any other characters but i mean like it could be anyone like you know no i'm it, saying but like no other characters speak in this book like the beavers are the only narnias that really have a a speak uh, in Tumnus have a speaking role, but is it the that doesn't mean he has he had to use Aslan to have that detail, or even need to needed to put the detail in the book. I feel like there's I guess some significance there to be researched. Um, I think maybe something with purity. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was maybe it has something to do with knighting, just medieval knighting somebody, Possibly. because that's what he was doing. He was he was making him a knight. I assume that would, I assume you would need a um, clean blade, or maybe it's a sense of like. Oh, I I think it was getting it? away from the fact that. Yeah. It uh, that he needed to do that. Like, I, I think what he was think? he was like. I wasn't Peter like kind of happy or like self satisfied with the fact that he killed a wolf. And he's like, "Yeah, I killed this wolf. Look at me," and. <laughs> And Aslan was like, "No, like you shouldn't be happy about that. Like it's, it's like it was necessary, but it, it wasn't good that you had to kill. You know." I don't recall whether or not it was he was kind of the you know annoying about it. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyway, so I, maybe it has to do with knighting. Maybe it has to do with that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if that's exactly what it was. Um. But so. Um. So anyways, then the witch comes and basically trades uh, Edmund's life because he's a traitor and uh, to the Narnians, uh, he basically, all traitors are bound to the witch uh, for some reason. And, uh, and Aslan talks to her. Also, Aslan's walking on his two, like, two feet. <laughs> in the book there's uh there's a drawing of him with his two of his paws behind his back and he's mm-hmm. standing up on two feet which is very which is very interesting uh because it's not used in any in anything else really <laughs> that part of looks hilarious uh, he's just like walking on his hind legs like so. a lion walking on his hind <laughs> yeah. legs and being like a person it's kind of funny um also, oh, one of the biggest changes is like uh, that they made to the move in the movie is like uh, Aslan's really calm when he's talking to the witch, mm-hmm. and the witch is angry in the book, mm-hmm. but in the other way, it's the other way around in the movie. For some reason, Aslan is like more like angry mm-hmm. than, and the witch is like coldly calm. Yeah. Also, Edmund is just, like, looking at Aslan the entire time this is going on. Mm -hmm. He's just staring into his face. 
just lost in there, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. What do you think that? What do you think that's rep- or you know meaning? Well, I, I mean, I guess just judgment. Like when we die, you know, we're gonna go before God, and it, you know, the devil's gonna be there, and he's gonna be like, "Hey, yo, like this person's evil, like, give him to me," you know. But we're, you know, we don't really care about that. We care more about like what the final decision is, like what what the judgment is, what the verdict is. So it makes sense that that you know you like. I, I mean, obviously, like you know, I, I don't know exactly how that works, but. You know, they, they talk, like, the saints write a lot about how there's, like, in judgment, you, you it's kind of like a trial almost. And you have, um, I mean, this is where, like, probably more heavily Catholic or Orthodox than, like, Protestant Christians, but um, you have, like, Mary as kind of the mediator between you and Christ. And Christ, you know, he's he's a ruler of mercy, but he's also, you know, he has to be just. So... Um, I don't know. Just it, it, it makes sense that you wouldn't be like, like just kind of in the heat of it, just like looking back and forth between the conversations. Like all you really care about is is what you know. I was thinking more like the characters. I'm, I'm strictly oh, talking story? about the characters. Um, why Edmund is staring at As- probably because Edmund realizes that Aslan is his only like salvation from whatever situation he's in. I always thought he was like just like he's the ultimate good, so he just like can't look away. He just can't take he, his eyes or off. he knows he's in the doghouse, and he just sees mm-hmm. Aslan and just <laughs> he like, knows he screwed up big time. Yeah, and he like he can't get out of it. So the only only he's looking at the only person that can help him. Maybe basically because yeah. everything around him is going bad because mm-hmm. of what he did previously. I believe it. And he's trying to I think reassess what his what he, what he's go, what his life is is. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, so Aslan then sends everyone away. He leads them to um a camp in a city called Baruna. Um and on the way he's like telling Peter how to be a general, how to lead an mm-hmm. army. And Peter's like, wait, why, why, why do I have to know this? What, what's going on? Won't you be there? Mm-hmm. And Aslan's like, maybe <laughs> I might, maybe not, maybe yes. I don't know. <laughs> that exact voice. Uh, no, like, I don't I, know. I hope not. That that's, uh, but that's the gist of the conversation right. that they have between the two. It's a uh, they. It's very. Uh, I think it's the funniest and the most one of the most interesting conversations. What do you think about the conversation? It's yeah. It, I mean, you gotta be a little bit scared on Peter's behalf because like he's going into a battle. He's like what, sixteen or seventeen? I think he's fifteen. Fifteen. So like. Or he's, sixteen. And he's like gearing up to to like lead an entire army into this battle against this evil witch. Yeah, because they know the battle's coming. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Different. Another difference between the movie is that Peter doesn't know the battle's coming. In the book. No, or in the movie. In the movie, he doesn't know. But in the in the uh, in the book, he knows exactly that the that they're about to battle. Did, huh? I don't know. They. St- I thought they still had like the army encampment and everything with Aslan. No, they moved. What? They just moved. 
who moved so there? they were at the stone table with the encampment originally yeah. then they moved to Baruna yeah and then Aslan left at night mm-hmm. but he also said he he knew he was or he said he may not be there mm-hmm. and that that's what and he was preparing Peter for a battle oh because gotcha. they knew oh, okay. yeah, that yeah, there yeah. was going to be a battle mm-hmm. um so then uh uh so Aslan leaves in the middle of the night to go back to the stone table and uh it's lucy and susan go along with him in a very emotional uh walk uh mm-hmm. to like death mm-hmm. what do you think about that i mean you have you know mary and mary magdalene accompanying jesus when he's going to calvary that's like a pretty heavy parallel there they're like the two women weeping and like crying, walking with, with Jesus until like he got to like the foot of where he was gonna die. And he was like, "All right, later." And they're like, "No, well, we're gonna stay." What do you here. think that means for like Susan and Lucy, the characters? That they were sad that Aslan's dying because it's no, but don't like. I mean, you gotta think deserve, about he doesn't. Deserve no, you gotta to think die. about what they're feel talk about at the. They don't know he's going to his death. Oh, they just know he's like sad. They know he, they're supposed to walk with him, and that there's something gonna happen. And he's gonna die. Yes, but they don't know that. Oh, well. Why would they know that? I don't know. I I have to re reread that part, but like. It's very different, you know. Experience. I, know. I feel like the the. The parallel is definitely still there. Sure, but it's not. I'm trying. I'm really want to focus on like the characters the yeah i mean i i would guess that they're like you know not sure what's going on they're kind of like hmm, something's up and like aslan was kind of sad right mm-hmm. and yeah and he's like yeah well later he does um, fall once mm-hmm. i know i believe at least once he falls while he you know he's mm-hmm. very slow and he's very he's very ominous so maybe the point of of them not knowing that he's going to die is just kind of showing that like in the same way, like, you know, the, the people even who accompanied Jesus didn't know the full extent of what was about to happen. Like, they, they might have known he was on his way to death, but they didn't know the full extent of, like, how he was dying. And he was going to, like, bear the weight of all, all of, you know, humanity's sins. I think it also shows the, you know, a, someone's experience, the necessariness of people going through... Uh, difficult situations having people that go through those situations mm-hmm. with them yeah but eventually those situations are up to them mm-hmm. eventually yeah so like you, you it helps to have like people to accompany you at some point you need it but at the end of the day you still have to do it yeah kind of alone yeah which is sad i like it anyways so uh the witch kills Aslan on the stone table and the girls watch which is mm-hmm. really scary mm-hmm. and really sad um but anyway so but then he then the stone table breaks and then he's back <laughs> um which is an obvious reference to resurrection um and then it's interesting that he doesn't go right like, okay, let's go to the battle. Mm-hmm. 
Instead, he's like, okay, get on my back. We're going to the witch's castle. Right. And then he leaps over the gate. This, I think that's the coolest thing is he leaps over the gate mm-hmm. into the castle and then starts breathing people into life yeah again yeah um and then it's interesting that that is also uh, T- mr tumnus is reunited he was you know he was captured in the earlier part of the book and frozen and stuff like that or turned to stone and then uh and then lucy meets him also there's another lion there they uh free another lion and the lion's mm-hmm. like ooh. I'm the same species. <laughs> like he's like he's like he thinks it's like so cool that he's mm-hmm. like he's the same as Aslan. Like he's <laughs> just like like oh this is so cool. Also they free uh, a giant who's mm-hmm. kind of a dingus. Mm-hmm. He he's not very uh, he's not very bright but he's mm-hmm. super kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they lead them into a battle into the battle that's been going on. It's the very end of the battle. And just kind of, Aslan just kind of saves everyone. But, um, but, uh, or, and, uh, Peter battles the witch. Um, so, eventually, so the witch is then taken care of by Aslan and then Edmund is saved. Edmund got injured, but is saved by Lucy's magic juice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not actually sure what that's called. It's probably got a cool name. Um, water. It's not water. <laughs> um, but good one. Um, they are eventually crowned, and they have like they're like there for like thirty years. Um, and uh. They beca- and Peter becomes the high king, and then everyone else becomes just king and queen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Aslan's like, peace, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And leaves, and it's like, he's not a tame lion, because he's always wild. Mm. That's a big thing about, the, about what they push, you know, in the book is the idea that he's a very wild a, a wild character and that he you can't really you're not going to be able to predict what he's going to do um or it's very hard to predict mm-hmm. what he's going to do um and then okay so this is at the end they yeah. they fall back into narnia but before they fall back they talk like weirdos mm-hmm. they uh have they talk like gibberish medieval gibberish and and totally tells me that he was not planning on another book what do you do you think that do you think you do you agree with that, that he i don't i don't remember reading but i mean you know we've talked about sorry and you're like yeah he like but not, not on the podcast like we were talking before about it yeah um and yeah i yeah it makes sense i <laughs> it just goes back with it's like the whole book is just it's just kind of like it's just one story. It's not like part of a series. It's true. It it feels a lot. I mean, it's set up mm-hmm. or it sets up a lot, but it also has weird. Uh, it has weird conversations. Mm-hmm. Like, if ye will all have it, so let us go and 
take the adventure that shall fall to us. Let's go if you want to. <laughs> that that's not how they talk. That's how nobody in Narnia talk. Like that's that's my problem. It's it's not that like it's not that the kids wouldn't talk like that or the kids didn't talk about it. They're growing up. They could have learned it, but there's nobody to learn that the way of talking from. Mr. Tumnus doesn't talk like that. The beavers don't talk like that. Aslan doesn't talk like that. So like no one there it, you meet talks like that. <laughs> so it's just, it feels completely out of left field. Mm-hmm. Unless somehow everyone became like i don't know but then like thousands of years later they don't talk like that they also don't talk about like that in the magician or in the um in what is it the what's uh in the horse and his boy which is which is in between the Mm -hmm. time that they meet uh or the time they leave narnia and the time they be they go into narnia or in the time they're crowned, so they they would have learned it, they would have learned it sometime at that time. Also, they do they do t- uh, they do like run into the professor afterwards. The professor tells them basically don't talk to anyone about it, Narnia basically because mm-hmm. they won't understand and uh, they're not they not meant to basically. Um, it's interesting that they keep it such a secret. Why do you think that is? <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the last time humans found out about Narnia or about any a different world, they brought a witch in and screwed a lot of stuff up. I never thought about that. But again, then again, he did not write The Magicians. He never did. That's true. So that wouldn't be... That's a great post... Mm-hmm. Like, post... Retrospective. Yeah, it's a, re- it's a retrospective point. But looking at, looking at uh, just Lion, Lush, and Wardrobe as its own, like, self-contained game, yeah. why would they keep it secret? Yeah. Um, uh, I guess I don't know maybe maybe it's kind of C.S. Lewis had had this idea of, of Diggory that like or the professor that he would that professor. he that he had gone like when he was when he went to Narnia maybe you know it was kind of like he tried to tell people and like literally no one believed him so he's just like okay whatever <laughs> But that's still taking retrospective of. Well, it's, that it's, you do th- are you saying you think he already knew that the Digger professor had there? been there? I think so. Yeah. Okay, I guess that that could be. I mean, if he knows about it, he doesn't. I mean, he does, but he doesn't. It's like I don't know. It's really ambiguous. Well, I think he either knows about it and he's most likely been there, and he's like, yeah, no one's gonna believe you, like, because they didn't believe me, or. He doesn't know about it, and he's just like, okay, you kids are crazy. Don't tell anyone about it. But I really doubt it's the second thing, because C.S. Lewis rarely writes good characters like that. Where yeah. Where they're just like, don't do this thing. I think you're right, the first thing. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you've, you've convinced me. I think <laughs> I, I think he already knew that where Diggory's past was. So I think that I think that wraps it up. Awesome. I think that's for all we have. On. No problem. I'll I'll link your podcast in the description. Aww, thanks. And we'll be back for the third book in a couple weeks or so. Probably like four years when we get to it. I uh, I don't I'm know. Kidding. I'm kidding. I I will get to it soon. He's a slow reader. I'm a slow reader. I, I'm probably gonna skip line the witch in the wardrobe just so I can wow that's get a head start so on. lame. Yeah. Well, thank you and. <laughs> Have a great day. I'll see you next week.